We'll peruse the just-announced 60-player rosters and consider the fantasy fortunes of some returning athletics. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had the three go-throughs yet. It works great in a fantasy. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, June 29th. I'm Al Melkier, and I am here to kick off the week with Derek Van Riper. And DVR, let me just get right to uh, the first question here, which is with uh, Sunday being uh, 60-player pool day, were there any um, inclusions or exclusions on those uh, uh, 60-player pools that surprised you or you think are important for us to pay attention to? I think the most surprising player who wasn't on a roster that I saw from Sunday. It was probably Ryan Mountcastle for the Baltimore Orioles. I think he's a hitter with really nothing left to prove in the minor leagues. He spent all of last season in AAA. He's always been a a bat-first sort of prospect coming through their system. The only thing that I would say is I noticed they had about 44 players listed on the roster, and there was in very small print in the bottom corner a little note that said, more players to be added. So... You know, I don't know why he wasn't already on there. I don't know if there's a situation with some teams where they're still trying to confirm that every player that they want to have available is going to play this season. It's kind of a, an unknown. And clearly, because we're in such uncharted territory, like the Brewers, for example, didn't publicly share their roster on Sunday, even though the rosters were due to Major League Baseball on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Um, so I guess I'm, I'm taking these rosters with the necessary uh, grain, let's say, block of salt um, and, and just kind of waiting and seeing. But, you know, I think fortunately, a 60 player roster doesn't leave a lot of tough decisions for most teams when you know, you're kind of just looking at getting through a, a 60 game season. Yeah. Uh, and yet um, there's an interesting thread on Sunday from uh, the Athletics' Levi Weaver where he lays out some of the the rules and restrictions on the 60 man roster, because, you know, initially I thought, well, you know, maybe this just really isn't worth paying attention to because teams can maneuver, but really it's, it's a little bit harder for teams to make changes on the uh, 60 man roster or the roster pool, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I'm just looking at Le- uh, Levi's thread right now. And he says, if a player is not on the 40 man roster, he cannot be removed from the 60 man roster unless he's released. And if a player is on the 40 man roster, that player can be removed from the 60 man roster, but has to be exposed to waivers first. So, you know, the, I, I think that these decisions do mean a little something. And so, yeah, the Ryan Mountcastle thing's a little, a little perplexing. I mean, I, I, would think, I mean, you know, we can all say what we want about the Orioles. I think they would know to make use of all 60 spots and not leave 16 of them open. But another one that really, uh, and I saw a lot of people commenting on Twitter about this, so it wasn't just me uh, that found this odd, that the Reds did not include uh, Aristides Aquino as a part of their their 60-player roster. And given the restrictions that, you know, Levi made me aware of with this thread, that I think that kind of means something. Yeah, Aquino, you know, I think he's just kind of tricky anyway because he, he he's on a very crowded depth chart. So he's going he's gonna to be part of the reserve roster. He didn't make the active roster, and he's not even going to train with the active roster before joining the reserves. 
So he's kind of in the if someone gets hurt, then he comes up camp. But with Akiyama, Castellanos, Nick Senzel, Jesse Winker, uh, Mark Payton, who is a Rule 5 pick, and Philip Irvin, there's already six outfielders on that depth chart. And it's just strange because I think it means long term, they don't necessarily have the highest expectations for Aquino. Um, it's one of those weird situations where he kind of needs a trade now to become relevant in this 2020 season and maybe even to carry a lot of value in, in keeper and dynasty formats as well. What's your, your general valuation or, you know, your general expectation, I should say uh, for Aquino, because, you know, had a, a good season, in the minors had that incredible first month up in the majors and then, you know, slumped badly in September. But, you know, I, I would think that, the, you know, we don't want to put too much weight. We, we talk about not putting too much weight on a good September, but I don't think we want to, you know, completely dis- discount him uh, for the bad September either. So, uh, you know, let's say he gets traded to a team where there's some prospects for playing time. How, where, what sort of league would you, uh, you know, look to to target him in? If he had a regular role, I think he'd be an interesting late round flyer in even a 12 team mixed league because the the raw power is legitimate. Uh, I think the concern I had about Aquino going all the way back to the fall, like even before the Reds outfield became really crowded, was that he was a late bloomer. I mean, if you look at what he was doing 2015, 2016, 2017, even 2018 between low A, high A, and up to double A, he wasn't putting up numbers that got anybody really excited. I mean, I guess the high A numbers were pretty good, but the strikeout rate jumped with the move to double A. The power went away for the first year he spent there. He was an above-average player in his second go-round at Double A in 2018, but that was as a 24-year-old. So I think I just had some doubts about his plate skills and, and whether or not he was going to be more than kind of a, an okay average, low OBP masher who was going to carry a high K rate anyway. And just the way the Reds have handled their outfield and the fact that they know him as well as any organization knows him, that just gives me some doubts about how good he's really going to be in the long run. Yeah, it's certainly you know that kind of move um, to to not include him on the sixty man roster. It does make you think, you know, what what is it we don't know uh, about Aquino that the Reds do know? Uh, definitely, that thought crossed my mind. Did you know that seventy five percent of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We're suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus, and it doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes that your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There are no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply, and you can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com baseball. That's drinkhydrant.com baseball for 25% off your first order. Last week, I kind of hyped up this Monday show a little bit because I said, you know, we're going to have these uh, 60 man rosters. We're going to have the the transaction freeze is going to be lifted. But um, that was maybe a little bit of wishful thinking because I I don't find that really many of the moves that we've seen really have much of an impact for us in the fantasy world. Uh, but we did have some news 
that's um, you know really unrelated to all of that that I do think is worth talking about, and that is uh, a series of of uh, players or a number of players uh, on the A's who, uh, if we had a normal length season, wouldn't have been ready to go for opening day. But according to uh, Susan Slusser of the uh, San Francisco Chronicle, A.J. Puck, uh, who had a shoulder strain uh, earlier on, he's good to go. Daniel Mengden, who uh, had arthroscopic elbow surgery, he could be uh, ready to go. And Stephen Piscotti is recovered from his intercostal strain. So uh, I'm going to make a wild assumption here, DVR, and assume that, you know, neither of us maybe has the greatest of expectations for Daniel Mengden. I wish he was on a team where he had more of an opportunity to uh, play a, a substantial starting role, but I don't, I don't see that here. But uh, as far as Puck and Piscotty go, how much do you worry uh, about them maybe being behind uh, having dealt with injuries? With Puck, I, I don't think he's going to be too far behind the rest of the pitchers. I just think he's going to be handled about as carefully as any young pitcher who can be in a rotation is going to be handled. So I guess that's my way of saying like relative to other guys who are breaking into the league and, and just kind of getting their first prolonged opportunity at a rotation spot where expectations are already lowered for those guys pucks kind of at the bottom of the range on a per start basis of what I'd expect. Like if you told me AJ pucks going to make 10 starts this season and half of them are going to be three innings or shorter, I wouldn't push back on that. Hopefully, he goes longer. Hopefully, he's going five-plus, and it's not really a big deal. Um, I just really worry about his recent injury history and, and think they're going to be as careful with him as they can be. I think a lot of the the A's are going to be careful with their starters that we apply to Jesus Lazardo. I think it absolutely applies to Puck, and it maybe applies to Lazardo less than we think it does. Piscotti is like a forgotten guy in that outfield, and he's just been through so much over the last couple of years. If he's healthy, you know, I think he's still got a spot in a corner outfield to, to call his own. I think he's kind of the primary right fielder, but what are we getting skills wise from him? I think it's a, a fair question to ask and that 2018 season where he hit the 27 home runs for the A's really kind of jumps off the page power wise. We just haven't seen him uh, stay healthy in two of the last three seasons. So I think he's very much a wait and see sort of guy for me in most mixed formats, but definitely not a guy that I'm writing off completely. All right. So when I just want to, you know, I just want to uh, clarify that a little bit. So a wait and see guy in most mixed formats, does that mean somebody then you're not going to target even late in a 15 teamer or are you talking more 12 teamer? Uh, Cause you know, I think because of that 2018 season, I think, I think there's some sleeper appeal. Yeah, I'm looking at where I've got him right now as I'm working on adjusting the ranks. I've got him just outside the top 200 among hitters. So once you factor in pitching, that probably puts him in like the 350 overall range, give or take a few slots. So a 12-teamer, maybe one of your last picks. A 15-teamer, probably still draftable in that format, but as a reserve. So pretty low expectations for me, but I think you could do worse with late picks in those situations. Yeah. And uh, on fancy pros, he's got a 461 ADP. So who knows what that's going to look like with upcoming drafts? Uh, because again, I think a lot of these AP ADPs are very much uh, skewed by March, uh, March expectations, uh, you know, with somebody Piscotti who was hurt. Um, you know, it's probably not uh, a fair, a, a fair reflection of, of maybe where people are going to target him now. Um, going back to puck, 
you know, so you were saying that you, you do think the A's will be careful with him and possibly with Luzardo is, is that something then that, that maybe puts Chris Bassett back uh, on your radar? Yeah. I mean, I think Chris Bassett is, he's not quite as good as Russ stripling skills wise, but he's, he's the A's glue guy in that same vein where sometimes we sort of take for granted how useful he is as a starter. And you know, you look at what he's done with his ratios, three of the last four seasons, sub four ERA, uh, a whip of 126 or lower. K rate's been trending in the right direction now for a couple of seasons. Uh, so I do like Bassett quite a bit. And I think he will have plenty of spots to to make starts here because there's just a, a lot of injury concerns in this rotation. You know, we mentioned Puck, Lizardo. Yeah, they're going to be a little careful with him because why wouldn't you? He's a big part of the future. Uh, and even Shaw Manaya, I mean, the amount of time he's missed with arm injuries in his career, I think makes him an elevated injury risk. So uh, I think with three guys like that that they're relying on in their starting five, Chris Bassett's going to have enough chances to start where at least in a 15-team league, he's worth considering as a reserve. I think at least in a 12-teamer, you're thinking about him as a possible streamer or maybe as a two-start guy if we know he's getting those opportunities. Yeah, well, let's go back to Manaya too, since we're you know kind of blanketing the A's rotation here. And I was surprised to see he has a um, 160 ADP on Fantasy Pros. And I don't know if that's just people kind of banking on the longer term reputation that he had, you know, when he first came up or the encouraging signs that he showed uh, during uh, a handful uh, five to be exact five September starts coming back from injury last year. Um, but you know, it was kind of the flip side of, you know, we shouldn't punish uh, Aquino for uh, a really poor September. I don't know that we should be elevating Sean Manaya for, you know, suddenly being a much better strikeout pitcher, particularly with, um, you know, lower, lower velocity than he had shown in the past. So, um, how do you feel about that ADP for, for, uh, Manaya? I can't draft him uh, at that price. I've got him kind of in the SP 70 to 75 range. I think he's comparable to Garrett Richards, Joey Lucchese, Ryan Yarbrough, and even of that group, Garrett Richards kind of sounds like he doesn't necessarily belong if if we know he's healthy. Uh, but, I mean, Manaya's a high 80s fastball guy. He throws that pitch a lot, really only uses two secondaries. It seemed like everything was going right for him in September. I don't know if I buy that K rate from what we saw last season either. So I'm just not going to have them. <laughs> Clearly, there's <laughs> uh, rooms full of people where there's at least a couple who look at him and are going to draft him earlier than I'm willing to draft him. So unless I'm drafting against the 11 clones of myself, I, I will go without Sean Manaya this season. Yeah, I probably will too. The one thing, uh, you know, you mentioned that the the stats look a little suspect, uh, you know, very high uh, strand rate, very low Um in fact, I'm looking now, 100% strand rate doesn't get higher than that. Uh, very low uh, BABIP rate below 200 allowed. So, you know, has fluke written all over it. But if you looked at um, the whiff rate on his four seamer, it was, you know, that was really what was driving the overall strikeout rate. And he was really pitching like on the edges of the strike zone with that four seamer. So, in those five starts, you know, really had good command. You and I have talked about command on previous episodes. Yeah, I just would like to see it over more than five starts and much less five starts in September when you're generally, you know, facing a lower level of, of, uh, competition. So, uh, that said, 
Uh, rankings are now up on the athletic Jake Seeley. He's got his updated 2020 rankings and, uh, you know, it's time to start, uh, reevaluating players. So not only does Jake have his rankings, uh, he's also got projections and auction values. So, um, do check that out. That is our featured read for today. Jake Seeley's updated 2020 fantasy baseball rankings, projections, and auction values. And that's going to be all for this Monday episode of fantasy baseball in 15. So DVR, thank you as always. And for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we will be back here on Tuesday. Mm-hmm.